Hey, my name is J.D. Larson, one of the pastors at North City Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. I hope this inspires and equips you to love God more deeply and to love your neighbor as yourself. At North City, our mission is to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, and we hope this message emboldens you to do just that in whatever space God has sent you to. Be sure to subscribe and keep in touch with the conversations North City is having. And if you want to find out more about our community, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or online at northcitychurchmpls.com. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome again, North City Church. My name is Jenny Vang. I am pastoral intern here on staff. And it's really exciting for me to be able to finish up the book of Matthew today. So if you've been following along in 2020, which has only been three weeks, (laughs) uh, we've been in a series called Hindsight 2020. And we're, as a community, reading through the New Testament in a whole year. And today we wrap up Matthew. A couple weeks ago, Pastor J.D. talked about um, looking in light of the new year, that it's important to look back in order to look ahead. And with that theme, he looked at um, Jesus in Matthew chapter one, and about Jesus as Emmanuel. And Jesus as Emmanuel fulfills and and really clarifies the life of the Israelites in the past, and that Jesus now fulfills all promises looking ahead as well. And then last week, Pastor Christian Ann talked about the phrase, um, the the kingdom of God is near, about how that's really Jesus renewing the world. And that story, um, as we live in that story and seek to discover it in our lives, it actually informs how we live our life as well. And so this morning we finish up the book of Matthew. And uh, before we continue, let me, let me pray for us. God, we are thankful that you have given us each other as a community, that as we dive into your word together, Lord, it's, it's not just something we do on Sundays, not just something we do on Wednesdays at discipleship tables, but Lord, as we read your, your word, as we gather together, as we talk about the things that you have done in our lives, God, it is important because God, your presence is there with us. You're there with us. And so this morning, would you make us aware of your presence always with us? So we give this morning to you and trust that you will speak to us in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, the community time question of the day was, how would you describe your best friends? And what do you like around them? So I actually brought a picture of my best friends. Um, and, and so these, I know, oh, these are the women that uh, I think of. I have a lot of really great friends, but these are, these are the ones who, without a doubt, are always the first ones I think of when people ask me about my best friends. And so we are, there's eight of us. We graduated college together, which is a crazy 10 years ago, um, almost 10 years ago. And we, when we graduated, we were actually on four different continents doing some different things for, for Jesus. And so as a way of keeping in touch, we started posting um, Facebook or video updates on this Facebook page. And that kind of began this new, like, there's something here in this friend group. There's something here. There's something special about us. And it's not just that we like to hang out, but we decided we need to get together wherever we're living, no matter what's going on in life, no matter how many kids people are having, uh, that we want to get commit to one another and, and gather once a year. And we've been doing that since 20, uh, 2013, I think, every year. And so... When I think about this group, of, this, this group of women, it's not just that we like to hang out, but when we're together, it, there's something that is, feels like comforting and healing about it. And I think the, the funniest uh, way that I can describe this is, so Allie and Emily, who are in this over here, they're the top, uh, the two on the top right, 
that picture on the left. So Allie is the one in the middle, Emily's on the right. The two of them were living in Madison at the time. They were the only two soul sisters living in, uh, we call each other soul sisters, lovingly. Um, and they were the only two soul sisters living in the same town. And so they were doing, sharing a lot of life together. They knew really the, the, really the pain points of life together and the, and the joys of life together. So one day, Allie's having a really bad day. And she goes to Target because, you know, who doesn't go to Target on a bad day? And so she's having a bad day, and she rounds the corner, and Emily is standing there. And Allie just starts sobbing in the middle of Target. Like, leave it to Target to make you spend too much money and cry about life. And so Emily didn't need to do anything. Allie just started sobbing because she saw someone that she knew. I don't know if this ever happened to you. It happens to me sometimes where I'm just like, keep it together, keep it together. But as soon as you see somebody that you know, it's like, <laughs> it's just like you, you feel like you can let walls down. And that's what Allie did. Allie felt like all day she was keeping this wall up, keep it together, keep it together. But she saw someone that she knew, more, more importantly, someone that knew her well, and she just let walls down. And, and Emily was just the source of comfort, a really important source of comfort. And so why do I share this story? Why was this our community time question of the day? I share it because as I think about these women and how important they are in my life and how much being in their presence impacts me and, and changes me and, inf and informs my own life. As I was thinking about this series and the book of Matthew and reading through the book of Matthew, I was really struck by the way that people encounter the presence of Jesus and specifically how, just how, how they respond to him, not necessarily even what they say. And in this series, we have talked about, uh, about, talked about Jesus as Savior and King and Leader and Emmanuel, God with us. But it's important for us to, to, to wrap those things together and say, what actually sustains our ability to know Jesus in those ways, to know Jesus as Savior, as Leader, as King? It's him as Emmanuel, his presence with us. That is what sustains us. And this morning, I want to ask the question, what difference does the presence of Jesus make in our lives? What difference does the presence of Jesus make in our lives as we seek to discover and live in the way of Jesus? What might happen if we actively sought after a deeper understanding of, of Jesus' presence in our life? What if I was as overwhelmed by Jesus' presence as Allie was by Emily's presence in that moment in Target? What would daily life feel like and be like if I knew the presence of Jesus that way? And to dive into that a little bit more, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. So if you have your Bibles with you or an app on your phone, turn there. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And as you turn there, I want to let you know, this is, these are Jesus' last moments physically on earth, his last moments. So he's already died on the cross, he's already, already resurrected, has, has lived days with his disciples already. And these are the last words that he speaks to his disciples. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so again, these are Jesus' last words. He's already lived his ministry on earth. 
And these are the last things that he says to his disciples. And so if you've been attending church for a while or been in Christian community, this passage might be familiar to you. This is often the passage that people read when we talk about what it's like, what it means to live life like Jesus, what it means to speak like him, the things that we're supposed to teach. That at North City Church, our mission is to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus. And this passage is just a part of what it looks like to do that. That when you gather around the table with your, with your friends and your neighbors, that it isn't just that you, that you live like Jesus, but that you talk about him as well. That you mention him. What, has, what, what does it mean that he died on the cross? What does it mean that he performed miracles? What does this mean for our life? So that's part of what we want for this community, for us, that as we gather, we would do this. So, so when I read it, it's actually, it actually seems kind of straightforward at first. So Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So for, for me, that's Jesus establishing his kingship. He's establishing his authority, saying, I'm in control. I am sovereign over all these things. And then he says, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So he's specific about the things that he wants us to talk about, specific about what it looks like to live like him. But in order to understand this part where he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, I think to really understand that, it's important for us to get into the mindset of the disciples. And so the disciples, there's 11 of them here. He's, he's talking to them, most of them Jews. They've already lived through the shock of their savior and leader dying. They've already lived through that. And then they've lived through the shock also of him coming back to life. And now he's here. And for them, I imagine that they were like, okay, we're good now. It's fine. We can keep doing this. And now he's saying he's leaving again. What, what is, I mean, I, would, I feel like I'd be freaking out. Like, you're, okay, wait, you're leaving again? Like, no, let's not do that. Like, just stay here. We'll tell you what to do. We'll, we're, we'll protect you. It's fine. But he's saying, I'm, I'm going to go. But then he's saying, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And this phrase, when he says with you, the Greek word for with you here is meta, which is the same word that, math, that Matthew uses in chapter 1 when he says this is Emmanuel, this is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So now Jesus is using the same phrase in the first person. And not only, so speaking in the first person is significant, but along with that, it actually makes sense because for the Israelites, most of their life was hearing God's promises of, hey, you're about to encounter this really difficult thing, but I'm going to be with you. And so I actually want to quickly look at some scriptures from the Old Testament. We, I have them up here as well. Genesis 28:15, I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you, back this, bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Deuteronomy 20, verse 1, When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them, because the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, will be with you. Deuteronomy 31, 6, this is to, to Joshua, who was taking over leadership for Moses. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And again in Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. 
Isaiah 43, verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Haggai 1.13, this is when the Israelites are returning from captivity back into their homeland to rebuild the temple. He says this, then Haggai, the, Lord, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the Lord, or gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So these are the words that the disciples are, are probably thinking about when Jesus says, I'm with you. They're, he's hearkening back to the very promises that they wondered for a long time. Would God ever fulfill these promises? And God fulfills that promise in the presence of Jesus, in Jesus himself. So when Jesus uses the word mata in the first person, they're recognizing, oh, like, Jesus is the one who's fulfilling this. God has, always been, God has always been faithful. Jesus is saying, remember, look back. Have some hindsight here as to my, what my presence actually means. Yes, they would need to continue on earth without him. They would probably struggle to know what it actually looks like. They would probably be ridiculed. And as we read more of the biblical narrative, we know that they were. They were persecuted for it. But in this moment, it's no different to when... In the Old Testament, Yahweh says, I'm with you, I'm with you. There's this theme where God says, hey, you're about to step into this really difficult thing, but I'm going to be with you. Or he says, you're stepping out of this really difficult thing into a new thing, and I'm going to be with you in that. And the reality here is that when you read these scriptures and when you read Matthew 28, God's presence and the way of Jesus do, cannot be separate. They are the same they're the same coin, two sides of the same coin. You cannot have one without the other. You can't choose to walk in the way of Jesus and not experience the presence of Jesus. And in the same way, you can't just sit contemplatively with Jesus and not choose to live in the way of Jesus. They go hand in hand. And what Jesus is saying here is that this is my commission given to you. I am with you in it. Let me be a part of it. Don't just talk about me. Let me be there. Don't try and save the day. I've already saved all things. Be, let, the, let me be a part of this. Because if we don't choose to experience and enjoy the presence of God as we are doing these things, then I wonder, what, what, are, we, what are we really doing? Go with, go with me for a moment here. If we charted out or like bullet pointed the way of Jesus, his actions, I think anybody could fulfill North City's mission. It doesn't take a Christian, someone who professes Jesus as Lord and Savior, it doesn't take a Christian to be kind, compassionate, sacrificial, giving, generous, seeking justice. The very thing that makes the way of Jesus distinct is not just doing things like him. It's his presence that makes it different. It's his presence that changes it. And here at North City, we, we don't want you to just come and set up chairs and brew coffee and, and think that this is, that's just a means to create a space for the presence of God. I think if Jesus was, was here physically, he'd be setting up chairs. I, th I just think he'd want to be part of it like that. He isn't just waiting for us to set up this room and then he's walking in like, now I'm here. That's not his character. His character is live like me, with me. Live like me, with me. 
And so we actually miss out on half of the Great Commission when we only live like him without thought to his presence and vice versa. We miss out on it if we don't, if we don't live in his way while we, while we experience his presence. And so you might be wondering what it means to actually do this, what it means to live this out. And the question I posed earlier was, what difference does the presence of Jesus make in our lives as we seek to discover and live in the way of Jesus? So I want to offer a few things for you. The first one, the presence of Jesus changes how we interact with him. The presence of Jesus changes how we interact with him. God's presence isn't just meant to be something that makes us feel good or make us, makes us feel nice. It's supposed to change how we live our lives. And as people, I, we're wired to interact with other people in the context of that relationship in a way that makes sense. For example, when, when my niece and my nephews are around, my, I have five nephews, one niece, ages two to 14. When I'm with them, I, I mean, I'm like pretty weird. I'm like pretty awkward. I'm like getting to full auntie mode. I don't have any kids on my own, so I really soak it up. I tell weird jokes. I make weird noises. I only use like a quarter of my vocabulary with them. Like I'm just, that just makes sense for, our, for the context of our relationship. I am different when they're around. I'm not fake. I'm not choosing to be somebody else. I'm just understanding what it means to when they're around. And I wouldn't do any of those things when I'm at work. <laughs> I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. I mean, I could, but I wouldn't. And that with my work colleagues, I'm a professional, so I'm gonna, the way that I speak and act and even dress is going to be different based on the context of those relationships. One, because I also report to the dean, and so there's just a different, I just have to live differently. Again, I am still fully myself. I'm still fully who God has made me to be, but I understand the context of the relationship, and so I live and act and speak differently. I live and act and speak differently. The people around you change the way that you do these things. And so when you're aware of the presence of Jesus, how are you different? When you're encountering the presence of Jesus, how do you live and act and speak differently? The second thing, the presence of Jesus changes how we pray. Changes how we pray. I think sometimes when we, I don't know about you, but I often hear the, pray, the, the prayer, God be with me. Or God, would you be with this person as, we, as they have this hard conversation? And I think what we're trying to say is, God, would your presence empower and embolden me in this moment? Because when we pray, God, would you be with me? He says, I already am. And when we say, God, where are you? We say, he says, I'm right here. Every time we pray, God, be with me or God, be with us, the answer has always been and will always be a very emphatic yes. And so I wonder if with this in mind, what would, it be, what would it look like if we stopped praying, God, be with me, and instead said, God, I know you're with me. Would you empower me? I long for your presence to change me and empower me. What if we prayed, remove fear from my mind and replace it with the courage that your, that your presence brings? I think knowing that his presence is already promised to us can actually build up faith in us to pray differently. And similarly, as we read through scripture, if you're following along in the reading plan, keep your eyes open for the ways that people encounter the presence of Jesus, how they react when he's around. Whether it's, whether it's to rebel against him or because they, don't, because they don't believe in who he is or it's to embrace who he is. 
read scripture now, looking at how do people embrace Jesus and his presence, and how do I do the, the same thing today? And the last thing here, the presence of Jesus brings companionship. The presence of Jesus brings companionship. And so I know that we talk about God's presence, and sometimes it can, it can be, we can wonder, okay, but I don't feel the presence of God. I just don't feel him there. And I'm well acquainted with that feeling, where the only thing you feel about God is that he's not there. But I think that's where companionship is important. When I hear the word companion, to me, it's different than friend. When we were talking about this in our staff team meeting, Kara goes, nobody introduces someone as, this is my best companion. <laughs> and so I, think, so I think the word friend is different than companion. The word companion implies this, this commitment to, to being on a journey, a commitment to always being in it for the long haul. And so when we don't feel the presence of Jesus... I think what we, can, what we can remember is that his presence is ultimately what empowers, not just the way he makes us feel. You know, because it's like, haven't you ever been on a really long road trip with someone? And you don't talk for like five hours, but it's okay because their companionship is so, so, so nice. You are close enough to know that you don't need to always feel things about each other. You can have five hours, of, I mean, if you're that introverted, maybe not, but like, you can have that much silence and know that it's just so good because the person is there. And that is what the companionship of God, the presence of Jesus, is supposed to be like as well, that it offers companionship. He is our greatest companion. It actually, it actually reminds me of the scene in uh, the first Lord of the Rings movie. Any Lord of the Rings fans? Yes. So the first Lord of the Rings movie, the, at, the end of the, at the end of the movie, Frodo, who's the main character, he decides, I think I need to do this on my own. I need to destroy the ring on my own. So he gets into this rowboat. He's like rowing out. He's rowing out. And his Sam, who is his best friend, knows what he's doing, what knows what Frodo's going to do. So he's like sprinting, and he catches Frodo on time just as he's starting to row away. But Sam, he doesn't know how to swim. But he goes forth anyway. And Frodo turns back to him and says, no, Sam, I'm going alone. And Sam says, of course you are, and I'm going with you. And it's just this like amazing moment, this amazing moment. Then he, Frodo pulls him up into the boat, and Sam says to Frodo that he made a promise to Gandalf. He says, I made a promise, Mr. Frodo, a promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee, and I don't mean to. I don't mean to. It's so good, and I think this is a picture of, of the of the resolve that Jesus has to stay with us, to be with us. He says, I don't, I'm not going to leave you. I do not mean to ever leave you. He is our greatest friend. Our, Jesus is our greatest friend and companion. And sometimes that feels kind of like, oh, is that too like philosophical? But Jesus actually says to us, he says to his disciples, I call you my friends. He says that in John 15, 15. And so, Living in the way of Jesus and enjoying him is, is about enjoying him, not just the way he makes us feel. Jesus is worthy of being with, to be in his presence because of who he is, not, what he, not just because of what he gives us or how he makes us feel. And this, I think this is also where community comes in. That when we individually in our relationship with him don't feel his presence, that we can look to our community. It's significant. It's significant to me that Jesus spoke these words, and surely I'm with you always, that he spoke this to a community. 
the community of people. I'm going to bring that picture of the soul sisters, soul sisters back up. And, you know, we have a tradition of getting together once a year. The last time we got together was for a wedding in Chicago, and we didn't have a lot of time to just talk about really deep things, because we were all bridesmaids, so it was hustle and bustle, but we were together. And there have been different times when we've gotten together where it's felt different. And one of the first times we got together, a lot of us were carrying some pretty heavy things around in our hearts and just carrying a lot of burdens. But as we showed up to this like Airbnb that we got, um, for me personally, I felt like these burdens started to lift a little bit. And it wasn't that they went away or that I forgot about them, but they just lifted a little bit. So as we talked and squealed about life and hugged and cried and did all of these things, I realized that these are the kind of friendships where it's not just being with them that brings out the good in me. It brings out the real me. I don't have walls, no filter. I mean, really, there's no filter <laughs> with these people, with these women. And I think there's a reason why I don't, for, to this day, after 10 years of friendship, I still can't find words sufficient enough to describe what it's like to be together. And I think it's because when we're together, I'm so aware of God's presence. And how do you, how do you really describe and explain what it, what it feels like to be so much in the presence of Jesus? He's always, he's not, it's not that he's more or less present. It's that I am more or less aware of his presence. These women love Jesus and they love me in that order. Um, and when I'm with them, it's impossible to not be aware of the presence of God. Let me invite the band up. So when he spoke these words to a community, it's, no, it's, it's not a surprise. It's like he knew you guys are going to need each other to be able to actually do this. That they, wanted, they needed the presence of Jesus, but he wasn't physically going to be there anymore. So instead, he said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. When he says to the end of the age, he's not just talking about the 11 of them. He's saying, actually, I am with you always, you 11, to the very end of the age, and also every disciple that will follow after that. To the end of the age refers to the time when he will return back to make all things new, to renew all things, just as Christian Ann talked about last week. And I think when we come to set up these chairs, when we gather on a Sunday morning, I hope it doesn't just feel like a meaningless thing in order to experience the 75 minutes of this gathering here as we formally speak, as we have announcements, as we do communion, that as you enter into to Loring Elementary School and walk out that you experience the presence of God just the same. I think there's a reason why when people encounter really difficult things in their life, they look, they, they talk to a pastor or, they, or they, talk to, they, they look for a church service to attend. They are longing for the presence of Jesus to change their circumstance, to make them feel differently, to move out of sadness. But the reality here is that the presence of Jesus is not just about the painful moments. Jesus makes the mundane things extraordinary. You can go grocery shopping and experience the most extraordinary thing because Jesus is with you. You can pick up milk and have it feel important because Jesus is with you. 
that in the mundane things, in the difficult things, and the really exciting things, he, his presence is there always. And so as you choose to live your life like him, don't miss out on him. Don't miss out on his presence and how his presence empowers. Let his presence be just as equally important as, it, as living like him. The very good news of Jesus is that he has died and risen and is with us today. He was, he's renewing all things and, and is inviting us to do the same. And even though the Great Commission is a set of instructions, a way of life, let's remember also that it, Jesus, this is his mission. It's a co-mission. He's saying, this is my mission, and I want you to live in it with me. But don't remove me from it. Let my presence be what changes you. Let me be the one that brings you comfort when you are feeling discouraged and sad and, and experiencing pain in life. Our prayer for us our, our prayer for, for this community, for us, is that we wouldn't miss out on the goodness and, and the, the magnitude of Jesus' presence. That we wouldn't just be people who are committed to the way of Jesus, but that we are people who are committed to Jesus himself. And that as we do that, we join him in the renewal of all things, seeing his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let his presence change you. That as we gather together here on Sunday mornings or on Wednesdays at discipleship table or at work, whatever it is, let his presence change you. Let it be a source of comfort and strength for you as you live your life. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we are so thankful that you are God with us, that you are Emmanuel. We're thankful that you have resolved to not leave us, that you don't mean to leave us that it would be out of your character to do so. And we're thankful that this is the God that we serve, that you are the God that we serve, that you are faithful to your word, that we can look to the legacy that we carry as your people time and time and time again, God, as we have encountered difficult things as your people, as we have stepped into new things that feel big and exciting but also scary, Jesus, that you are there. You have always been there. And in the moments where, God, in our lives, we feel like maybe you weren't there. God, would you give us the courage to go back and look to see where you were? Because you, you were always there. You are always there. God, we're thankful that your presence changes us, that your presence being, brings meaning. You are worthy of just sitting with, Lord. Would we want you for you, not just what you can give us? Jesus, you are good. Your presence is good. And we long for it. We long for it. Pray these things, Jesus, in your name, for your glory, that we might see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Christian Ann of North City Church. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. We hope you feel more empowered to love your neighbors in the way of Jesus. If you have thoughts or questions, we would love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message on our website, northcitychurchmpls.com backslash sermons. Learn more about the North City community there as well. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. A special thanks goes out to Ben Noble for the music on this podcast. If you haven't heard Ben Noble's music yet, check it out at bennoblemusic.com. Let me send you into your day with this blessing. May God give you the eyes to see and the ears to hear all that God is doing in the world around you. And may he give you the courage to respond. Amen.